The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Episode 297 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software FreshBooks, offering you a free 30-day trial with no obligation and access to all FreshBooks features. To find out more, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. People are not our competitive advantage. Everybody wants to claim it's their people. And then I'm like, but you realize that all of your competitors have people too, right? Well, well, yeah, but they're not as good as ours. And I'm like, really? Where'd you get your... And you go down this path where everybody's got good people. Hi, I'm Jeff, and I'd like to welcome you to the Read to Lead podcast. It is the podcast dedicated to your personal and professional growth. Each week here on the show, I interview a successful and inspiring author, and we dig into his or her latest book and their unique insights on a number of different topics, topics like personal development, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, entrepreneurship, and more. You see, I believe that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then intentional and consistent reading is a must. Today's guest makes a return visit to the show. His name is Dr. Chuck Bamford, and he's the author of the book, The Strategy Mindset 2.0, A Practical Guide to the Design and Implementation of Strategy. He may have been the victim of a canceled flight earlier today, but that has not stopped him from keeping his appointment with us. He is, as I speak, frantically searching for a quiet place to do this interview. I plan to ask Dr. Bamford to share about what's wrong with most books on strategy these days, some of the prevailing myths with regard to strategy, the elements of a well-defined mission and vision statement, and much, much more. While Dr. Bamford is securing his spot for the next few minutes, I'll take advantage of the moment to share with you about our sponsor, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting Software. You might say that I have found FreshBooks perfect for my business, and that includes when I just started out and had just a handful of clients to today where I have many, many more clients and a much larger business. One of the things I love about FreshBooks is the time that it saves me, but not only is it going to save you a ton of time and stress, FreshBooks might actually change the way you feel about dealing with things like your taxes. If you need to send your accountant a quick summary, say, on the amount of tax you've collected or pull together a quick profit and loss summary, FreshBooks can generate these reports in seconds instead of the hours it would take you to do them manually. Trust me, I know. And I love, too, that you can even set up FreshBooks to import expenses directly from your bank accounts, which means next time you use your debit card for that meal or tank of gas or new computer, the purchase is recorded instantly in FreshBooks. Oh, and by the way, FreshBooks is also ridiculously easy to use. Trying it out for yourself is super simple too. You just go to freshbooks.com slash read to lead and you'll get instant access to a 30-day unrestricted trial. What does that mean? That means you get access to all of FreshBooks features for free. They want to give you a chance to make sure it works for you first before jumping in with both feet. And I love that about FreshBooks. Again, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. 
Dr. Chuck Bamford is the managing partner of Bamford Associates, a strategy consulting firm working with hundreds of organizations as they develop and implement a compelling strategy. He is an adjunct professor of strategy at Duke University and the University of Notre Dame, and previously a professor at Texas Christian University, University of Richmond, and Tulane University. His latest book is The Strategy Mindset 2.0, a practical guide to the design and implementation of strategy. You can learn more about him and his team at BamfordAssociates.com. That's B-A-M-F-O-R-D Associates.com. Dr. Bamford, it is a pleasure to welcome you back to the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks for being here. Jeff, very glad to be back with you. And Chuck, please. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Well, we, we talked through the first edition of your book back in, in, I think it was July of 2015. And of course, that begs the question, what's new in, in this second edition of the book? Well, yeah. And actually, I, I kind of hoped, I'll be honest, uh, you know, I've got a number of textbooks that I have to revise um, <laughs> all the time. I kind of hope not to have to ever revise the strategy mindset. Um, but a couple of things came up. Number one, some things just changed. I mean, the there's just been new research in the field, new work um, by uh, a number of po- folks that have just kind of modified how we do good strategy and especially how we do good strategy implementation. And then I had just also just left some things out. You know, I wanted it to be a brief book, uh, the first one. And so I had left out issues on nonprofit organizations or on how you develop vision statements and how you craft some of these things with perfect customer analysis. So anyway, Jeff, the book grew 75 pages. Wow. And I would say about 40% of the rest of the content uh, changed. So I it was time for a new book. Mm, yeah, certainly. Well, there are certainly lots of books on strategy, no doubt. What, in your view, though, is is wrong, Chuck, with most of those books? Yeah. Well, I think a lot, unfortunately, a lot of them are written by people um, who who don't really understand what strategy is. And mm. so they've come up with their own sort of pop approaches. But I think the biggest issue that I have with most of the books in the market is they're just not practical. They're hard to read. They've got thick, mind-numbing numbers <laughs> of things that you're supposed to memorize. And, and you know, the executives don't have time. Managers don't have time to do this kind of stuff. And so I just, I like to get it down. It is a process. Strategy is a process. And mm. I like to get it down to something straightforward. Well, most listening are familiar with SWOT analysis, <laughs> strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. What's, uh, what's your issue with SWOT, though, as a strategy approach? Yeah, and, I, and sorry, I start laughing because it's that term analysis that, you, as you know, Jeff, going to get me. Right. Um, you know, SWAT was never meant as an analysis tool. Even you read back the original writings on it, it it was meant as a methodology or as an approach to present what we find. And so, I've got no problem with people putting in the boxes and saying this is what our strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats are, but. We need a real process to figure out what those things are, because otherwise all we're doing is sitting in a room with post-it notes going, well, I just think this is one of our strengths. Let's put that up there. <laughs> and we'll end up with all kinds of things that sound good and feel good, but at the end of the day, doesn't make a difference. And, and you, you know what? You've done, seen these things before. You walk out of one of these sessions and everybody goes, yeah, we got it all put together. And they don't do a damn thing with it. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's, a, it's, really, it's really just, it was never intended to be an analysis tool. And if, if anything, I would argue, let's just ban it, put it away, 
and use better techniques. Hmm. Well, you, you, you started uh, going down this road toward my next question. Um, <laughs> you, you dedicate Sorry a whole, no, 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 a perfect, uh, a perfect transition, perfect segue. You dedicated a whole chapter to strategy myths. What are some of the more common and prevailing myths with regard to, to strategy? Well, I think the probably the first and foremost and the one that I get in the most trouble for is that People are not our competitive advantage. <laughs> mm, mm. So everybody wants to claim it's their people. And then I'm like, but you realize that all of your competitors have people too, right? <laughs> and well, well, yeah, but they're not as good as ours. And I'm like, really, where'd you get your, and you go down this path where everybody's got good people. We don't buy a computer. We don't buy a car. We don't buy a dinner because of the people we buy it for other reasons. And what people do is people deliver on competitive advantages. And I think it's a big distinction mm. between thinking that people are our competitive advantages versus that's how we deliver on our competitive advantages. Mm. Probably could give you some other fun ones if you want. Absolutely. Okay, because we've got some other great ones. Like, for instance, customer service is our competitive advantage because everybody says, unfortunately, that customer service is their competitive advantage. <laughs> so it doesn't differentiate at all. I think in terms of some big items like customer service or quality or brand, what we do is we, we have these very high level concepts that people think are our competitive advantages. What I do is get underneath those to the elements of customer service that we think truly differentiate us, right? Mm. And then we can focus all of our employees' energy on those particular and just think do good for the customer, right? So it's, and same thing goes with quality. What do you mean by quality, right? Let's get down underneath it so that we get to what it is that really is driving the behavior because ultimately strategy is about getting customers to go past your competitors and come to you. Well, share if you would, Chuck, about the uh, five factor test you write about that you've developed to determine an organization's uh, true competitive advantage. Like, you know, they're supposed to go past my competitor and come to me. Uh, how do I make that happen? Right. And oh, oh, do I wish what you just said was true? Do, oh, <laughs> do I wish that I had designed it and it was mine? I would call it the Bamford approach, yeah. And I'd be on a cruise ship down in the. <laughs> So a long history um, going back almost 30 years has developed this uh, approach called resource-based analysis. Um, depending on who you talk to or what consulting companies, some call it VRIN, VRIST, VRIO, it's all the same thing. So resource-based analysis at the most fundamental core says that if this can get through these five factor tests, these five tests, then you've probably really got something that's a competitive advantage. You have to do some analysis and you've got to do some data analytics and voice to the customer to confirm some of these things. But what I've done, I think, is turned it into a very practical approach. So most things fail at rare. So let's evaluate rare first. Is it relatively unique compared to our competitors? If it gets past rare, the question is, how long do you get to hold on to the cool thing? So how durable is it, right? And durability is really decided by your competitors, not by you. So you can do all these great things. The question is, how fast will competitors try to match you on this cool thing that you think you have that separates you? 
What are the substitutes that are out there for this? Because there's always substitutes. Hopefully there'll be bad ones, mm. right? Then there's an argument about tradability. And that is, is, is it easily, is easy to acquire in the open market? And if it is, then you don't really have something special. And then finally, is it valuable? So you've got this thing that's rare, durable, non-substitutable, non-tradable. How do I, as a company, get value out of it? And there are only three ways to get value. So I can either charge more for it. By the way, Jeff, that's my personal favorite. Uh, it could cost me less, right? So I get a better basis point run relative to my competitors. Or my customers will go past my competitors and come to me because I have this cool thing. So if you as an executive team can get something you think you've got all the way through these five factors, now let's take that, go do some analysis. Let's make sure we've got, we can get the pricing organized. We can do all the tough stuff that we have to do to really bring it to market. And then let's proceed on those things only rather than just every idea that we come up with trying to take that as an advantage. Sorry for the long answer, but that's a, that's a big part. No, I appreciate that. I set you up to take credit, and you didn't take the bait. I admire that. <laughs> ah, I, I would call it the Bamford approach, by the way. So. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, well, every organization, of course, is, is always looking for you know, the, what they call a perfect customer, quote unquote. What, what insights do you have, Chuck, on, on more readily finding this elusive human being? So actually, this is one of the biggest things that changed in strategy implementation from the first book to the second book over the last four years. So first thing, perfect customer, right? Instantly gets your value proposition and is willing to pay you for it. So there's the classic kind of line on the perfect customer. But what's really changed is we used to do a lot of analysis before we did before we went through and figured our competitive advantages, we would go through and analyze who our customers were, who were better ones, worse ones, et cetera. Now what we do is we get all the way through those competitive advantages. And then we take those two or three things that are going to truly separate us in the market. And we say, okay, which customer, what customer would most value these three things mm. or these two things? And then we actually break it down. And I spent a fair amount of time in the book on this. We actually break this down such that it can be easily analyzed and easily found in the open market. And if you well, let me give you a quick example. You'd ask most, I, I, I do lots of strategy retreats with corporations, uh, various sizes. Most of mine are mid-market. And I go walk in and say, tell me who your perfect customer is. Oh, Chuck, our perfect customer is one who pays on time. <laughs> our perfect customer is one who doesn't bother us very much. Our perfect customer is one who doesn't look at any of our – and they go down this list. My favorite one was – it just happened a couple of weeks ago. Our perfect customer is one who shares our values, Chuck. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So you all have 40 salespeople. How are they going to find somebody who shares your values, mm -hmm. right? So we've got to get it down into something we can actually go find. And what I always argue is, let's get this down so precise that I could hand it to an 18-year-old and they could go find these people and then I could send my salespeople out to just those people. And the idea being, let's increase the hit rate of our salespeople. Mm, I love that. Well, you mentioned a moment ago uh, adding things like mission and vision statement examples to version 2.0, the second edition of this book. 
And boy, there are some real doozies in here. Um, I was really disappointed in, in Coca-Cola, for example. Um, uh, what, are, what are the elements, uh, in your view, Chuck, of, of a well-defined mission or vision statement? And how can we leverage these when it comes to our implementation strategy? Yeah, and that's, that, you just nailed the, the reason we do it. So why would we bother with a mission vision? It's because it communicates in a very succinct way to not only our customers, but also to our employees what we're, where our focus is. Mm. So mission is about why we're succeeding in the market now. And vision is about where we want to take this organization, right? So vision is inspiring, CEO-driven, has, has elements to it that are going to push us as an organization. Mission is right how we win in the market now. So what makes a good mission statement? Well, it's got to be short, right? Mm. Otherwise, people don't remember it. It's got to be simple. It's got to be specific to this particular organization. We've got to be able to have every employee be able to act on what those things are. And then we've got to be able to measure whether we're being successful. So you take these five elements together and you put those up on a wall and start wordsmithing with what you've got as competitive advantages. And relatively quickly, you can get this into something succinct that hopefully speaks to not only employees, but also speaks to customers. Great communication tool. Yes, for sure. How do our organizational structure, uh, Chuck, and, and key metrics factor into effectively implementing on a, on a strategy? Well, and I think that those are two. I think people, a lot of people talk about metrics. Very few want to talk about structure. It's unfortunate. Mm. So you've got a strategy, right? Strategies are always changing. You've got a strategy. And what I run into organizations is they don't want to change the structure of the organization. Well, the reality is if you really want to implement your strategy well, you align the structure to match your strategy. And good gracious, that goes back 50 years in strategy research. And most companies did do that early on. They just get stuck as they get or they grow or they get older and older in the, in, in the market. And so you really need to relook at structure so that it aligns with your strategy and what, your strat- what you're trying to accomplish. And then metrics are actually one of my favorite things in um, strategy design, albeit most people get frustrated with me when we try to do this. And that is metrics for strategy are activity metrics. Mm. I, as a manager, have a hypothesis, right? I hypothesize that if my employees do this, 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 and this, that back here, sales will go up or customers will return or whatever EBITDA goes up, whatever it is that we want. But it's a hypothesis. So now the question from a strategy point of view becomes, what do you specifically want your employees to do that you believe will lead to those outcomes? And so now we try to align what we call activity metrics to the competitive advantages. And as managers, it's nothing more than a hypothesis. It's a hypothesis that if they do this, we will achieve this. And Mm -hmm. I think what we see is that organizations want to focus on the outcomes. They don't want to focus on the inputs. They'll give me a line that goes something like this, Jeff, and I'm sure you've heard this more than a few times. Chuck, don't confuse activity with performance. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. I don't confuse activity with performance. But by gosh, there's got to be activity. So let's decide what that activity should be. 
Mm, very well said. And I, I love just your passion for this in driving some of these these points home. Uh, and, and your I think your angle on a lot of these issues is is rare. Would you would you agree with that? Well, <laughs> I, I really love this stuff. I think this stuff is fun. And I think it, mm. it's fun to make a real big difference when you work with an organization. So that's an awful lot of fun. Um, yeah, I think that you're probably right. Um, I, 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 too many people view it as trudge work or as just something they have to go through mm. each year as opposed to really, really making a difference. Yeah. Well, um, I have a couple of questions I do want to ask you that aren't directly related to the book and the time we have left. But before I do that, Chuck, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure we know? No, I think between you and me, because you've seen both, I'm infinitely more pleased with this one. I think it has mm-hmm. a lot more depth to it. Um, and I think people will be able to do more after reading this book than they could after the first one. So I'm, I, I'm, I've, it's been exciting to uh, a lot of feedback from people who are reading it now. Mm-hmm. Well, I warned you uh, before we started that I was going to come to you for some book recommendations that were different <laughs> than what you recommended a few years ago. Uh, in, in those last few years, let's say, what have you read that that's stuck out to you, that's been memorable and, and impacted you? Yeah, I, I would say there's there's been two. One is a little older book, but gosh, it just keeps coming back. Mm. Um, and it's called Making Strategy Work. And it was uh, written by a guy named Larry Rabiniak. He is just uh, one of the great researchers in the field. And then the other one is yet another Malcolm Gladwell book mm. that's been around for a long time, but hard to argue with as powerful, and that's Outliers. He has found a way to take all the research that most of us know about in the field, but combine it and write it up in such a way that it is easily digestible and understood. He's, he's just got a wonderful talent. Well, whether it's workshops or keynotes or some other environment, I know you're doing a lot of a lot of speaking throughout the year. What would you say, Chuck, are some tips you'd be willing to share for delivering an impactful talk, a memorable talk, and one that's really going to land with your audience? I think for me, when I'm thinking about a talk, it's what, what do I want the audience to walk away with? What, what do I actually want them to remember and walk away with at the, at the end of it? Um, and then I spend most of my time viewing what I do as edutainment, mm. right? I want them to walk away with new knowledge. I want them to be able to do something they couldn't do before they walked in, but I want them to have a fun time and be entertained along the way. So I try to do both at the same time. Mm, love it. Well, uh, I, of course, the, this new edition of the book has been out for a few weeks, and uh, you may still be in promotion mode for, for some time. But beyond that, I'd love for you to share uh, what's ahead for you and your team. What are you working on currently that, uh, that you're excited about? Yeah, we've got, well, we've got uh, an awful lot. We're doing a lot of work with um, uh, organizations, many more mid-market companies, um, because they can make strategy changes quickly. So that's a lot of fun. I'm working also on the fourth edition of my entrepreneurship textbook, which is with McGraw-Hill, um, and it's the number one uh, entrepreneurship book with them. So it's fun to be working on the fourth edition of that particular book as well. Mm. Well, the new book is called The Strategy Mindset 2.0, a practical guide to the design and implementation of strategy. And his name is Chuck Bamford. That's Dr. Chuck Bamford to you. For me, it's just Chuck. (laughs) Chuck, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you carving this time out, especially in light of the fact that uh, you're currently stuck in O'Hare. You found a very quiet place uh, to do this interview from. (laughs) 
I was very successful with that. Thank you very much, Jeff, and I appreciate your accommodation. I have set up a page on my website dedicated to this episode. It's called the show notes page, and you can find it at readtoleadpodcast.com slash 297 for episode 297. There you'll find the links and resources Dr. Bamford and I talked about, including uh, some videos I've linked to of Dr. Bamford on YouTube. I think you'll find especially valuable. That's also an easy link to share if you know someone who you think might find this episode valuable. Again, it's readtoleadpodcast.com slash, and then the number's 297. Do consider that offer of a free 30-day trial from our sponsor, Cloud Accounting Software, FreshBooks, no obligation, and get access to all of FreshBooks features when you go to freshbooks.com slash readtolead and enter readtolead in the How Did You Hear About Us section. If you have questions, comments, suggestions, or feedback about the show, do consider reaching out to me directly. It's jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. I read every email and will do my best to respond within a day or two. I've been working really, really hard to provide lots of value to you on a consistent basis. And I'm proud to say that this week marks the 104th week in a row of Tuesday morning Read to Lead episodes. That's two years without missing a week. Knock on wood. Here's to the next two years and beyond. And thank you for being a part of this journey these last six and a half years now. Wow. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcasts. Until then, remember, leaders read and readers lead. 